You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 281st edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 924th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of March 9th, 2023. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. All right, well, this week's banner moment is actually occurring right now. Because happening concurrently, as we launch tonight's episode of Assembly Call Radio, is the evening session of games at the Big Ten Tournament, and your Indiana Hoosiers still have yet to play their first Big Ten Tournament game. As you well know, there have been far too many Big Ten Tournaments over the years that have included Indiana playing Thursday games, and sometimes even Wednesday games. In fact, since 2016, Indiana has only entered one Big Ten Tournament seated better than ninth. That was Archie's first season when the Hoosiers were the sixth seed. And simply put, Indiana cannot credibly expect to compete for a national championship when it's barely even been in the conversation for a conference championship for the past seven seasons. But this season, Indiana took an important step forward in Mike Woodson's second season, earning the number three seed and a double bye in the Big Ten tournament for the first time since 2016. Now, did the Hoosiers need some late-season help to rise slightly above the Big Ten's muddled middle and finish tied for second, albeit still three games back from first? Yes, of course. But given the injury issues IU's faced this season and a Big Ten schedule that turned out to be comically challenging, you'll forgive an IU fan for not feeling apologetic about this seed. The bottom line is that finishing in the top four and getting the double bye is often an important indication of a Big Ten team that is ready to do some damage in March. Since the year 2000, when Michigan State won the Big Ten's last national title, 16 Big Ten teams have made the Final Four. Michigan State's made it seven times, Wisconsin three times, Michigan twice, Ohio State twice, and Illinois and Indiana once each. Purdue and Iowa, of course, have both not made the Final Four since then. Of those 16 teams that have made it, all but three finished fourth or better in Big Ten regular season play. 2018 and 2013 Michigan were each number five seeds in the Big Ten tournament, while 2000 Wisconsin was the eight seed. And three teams who were seeded third in the Big Ten tournament, like IU is this year, went on to reach the Final Four. So what does all this mean? Ultimately, not a lot. A double bye guarantees nothing, as the 2013 and 2016 Hoosiers could tell you. But history suggests that the more often you can finish in the top four in the Big Ten, the more likely you are to make the NCAA tournament with a decent seed, and the more you give yourself legitimate at-bats to hit a March home run. So enjoy this Thursday night off from having to worry about your Hoosiers, and let's hope Friday night's tip is the precursor to something special happening this month. All right, now let me introduce my co-hosts for this week. Uh, Coach Tonsoni is not here. He is actually in Chicago right now. As he just texted us, he said he's really going to enjoy this press conference 
after the Penn State-Illinois game, it's really cute. He's got his heart divided shirt on. So one side is the dark blue Penn State with shrews on the back, and the other side is orange with wood on it. So it's his shrews wood shirt. You know, he doesn't know who to cheer for between Micah Shrewsbury and Brad Underwood, but he's just there soaking it all in. So, Coach, we hope that you enjoy yourself. Uh, but here with me, to my left, he is the Dusty May of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson fan club and a featured bracketology expert on the field of 68. The best of you sports coaching, you know that we got them. When it comes to analytic trends, you know he can spot them. For first class bracketology, you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball? Well, it has been a little weird, to be honest. It's one of those where I'm not sure I know what day it is this week, which is kind of typical for me during this week. But no, but not having IU play uh, to this point in the Big Ten tournament, as you talked about, is a little bit weird. And as crazy as uh, as things have kind of gone in the Big Ten tournament so far, I mean, nothing clearly would be crazier than IU making a run to the finals of such a tournament. Uh, no matter how many upsets we've had thus far, I don't think anything would uh, would really compete with that. But uh, now excited for things to tip off tomorrow. Uh, a lot of great basketball already so far today. And uh, trying to watch the end of a couple other games here while we're, while we're doing that with lots of uh, bubble and bracketology implications along the way. But also nice uh, to not have to answer a bunch of questions of, well, is IU, are they going to make it or are they not going to make it? It's uh, so similar to the Big Ten tournament stuff. It's been nice to not uh, have the will they or won't they questions as opposed to how high can they get. Yeah, Indiana's bracketology has almost been boring this year. It's like, yeah, we're just stuck there at a four seed. You know, I mean, boring in the best way possible, of course. Uh, Also here with us, he is a senior writer for the big lead, the president of the Race Thompson fan club and a man who is already penciling San Diego State into his final four. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. All right, Mr. Rumors and Rants. Do you have a rant for us this week? Uh, by the way, I know that they're going to do this to me and stick San Diego State as a five and Indiana to a four, so I have to <laughs> wa- I have to sit through that. Um, do love San Diego State, but uh, San Diego State he, seemed like they were going to lose today, which would have uh, I avoided know. that situation. They I, I would have been ha- honestly would have made me a little happy. Uh, <laughs> they had a great season, uh, but no, I all my friends in San Diego were for San Diego State, I so I have to sort of come along. But I, I'm not a big Aztec guy. Um, Anyway, uh, you know, I feel like Michael Scott right now with the Big Ten tournament. Uh, I am ready to get hurt again. And uh, <laughs> so Indiana getting the double by and potentially facing Maryland or a Minnesota team that all of a sudden can make shots is is interesting. Uh, I, I do think the Hoosiers will win no matter who they play tomorrow. Uh, semifinals will be interesting. Uh, either Penn State or Northwestern, two teams that they just seemingly do not play well against. Uh, but you know, it's, it's nice to be in this position, uh, to be able to, to have a double buy, get those guys some rest, regardless of the outcome, to be able to get some days off for this team to just relax and kind of recoup is, is a good thing to not have to travel across the country to a big 10 tournament somewhere else and be able to ride over to Chicago and, um, maybe, you know, spend, spend a little bit more relaxing time there, uh, is nice. And, and it'll be great to see these guys play. I, I know 
they're really motivated this year, even though they're already in the NCAA tournament. Last year, they were very motivated to basically play their way into the tournament. This year, I think they're motivated for different reasons. And that's because they think they can win it. And and when you look at the path, the number one seed, they beat twice. Uh, Northwestern, I think that they came real close to beating twice and had they played a little bit better, could have beat them. I think Penn State, they have something to prove against. Um, you're just looking at how this sets up. They can win this. They absolutely can. And I don't even think they have to play their absolute best to win it. Uh, you know, whereas last year it felt like they had to be hitting on all cylinders to win. I think they can win this. And so it's a different feeling heading into this week in this tournament. Uh, we'll see what happens because as again, ready to get hurt again. But uh, I, I think this team is in a much better position. Than we've seen them in years, not just from a, they're better this year standpoint, but from the matchups and, and the way this, it, the path is laid out. I think they can do it. Okay, we'll remind you of this tomorrow when we're down 15 in the second half. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be furious. I'm going to be furious. Um, no, I agree with you. I actually I actually do feel pretty good about how Indiana can do uh, in this tournament. Uh, so here's what we have in store. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Big Ten tournament, react to what's already happened, kind of look at Indiana's path. Uh, and on our last show, we got a question about Xavier Johnson and how that whole situation unfolded. And so we want to tackle that and give you our thoughts on that as well. And then in segment two, we'll talk a little bit more bracketology, kind of you know tell you who you should be watching who you should be rooting for as it pertains to indiana uh and indiana's potential seed in the ncaa tournament and then we've got a lot of questions in our mailbag and so we're going to hit that as well all of that coming this week on assembly call radio but first let's talk about our presenting sponsor yes ladies and gentlemen this edition of the assembly call just like all shows on the Back Home Network, presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere, with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison and so many more. But look, here's the great thing about Home Field Apparel. They're not just about vintage logos anymore. Now they're about creating timely shirts like this one, which I hope many of you ordered it. Can you see it? This pull it, is pull it back. the, pull it the back. well. It's hard to do. Okay, I can't do that and talk into the microphone at the same time. But we'll try here. So you can see. There you go. There you go. That's right. The women's basketball Big Ten champions. They made a shirt commemorating it. It just came in. Uh, so I look forward uh, to wearing that shirt. But that's what Home Field does now. You know, they create timely shirts, like they created the awesome shirt. You know, for the Michael Penix play when we beat. Penn State and so home field they just continue to expand not just the designs they're putting on there but I also ordered my dad uh, Colorado University a quarter zip which is really nice they've got hats now so home field apparel they just keep expanding the schools uh, that they offer items for and the different types of items and what's great is no matter what they put out it's really comfortable material it's washable the colors last it's just great stuff and so whether you're trying to shop for stuff for the spring or summer or start planning ahead for next winter they've got something for everybody so we want you to go to homefieldapparel.com use our promo code home h-o-m-e and you will get 15 percent off your first order that's promo code home h-o-m-e at homefieldapparel.com wear one for the team all right uh, let's start out guys talking about X. Cause that's something we haven't really had a chance. There hasn't been a, a, an episode of assembly call radio since all of that kind of went down. Uh, and I'm just, I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. I talked with Scott, uh, about it on the most recent edition, the crossover edition of crimson cast. Uh, and so I'll, you know, share my thoughts here, but also talked about it there. So make sure that you listen to that. 
But Ryan, I'm curious, we'll start with you, kind of your thoughts on how that situation was handled, um, at least to the extent that we know about how it was handled and how you think it kind of lays out here for the present and future for Indiana. Uh, what, just the latest that he's going to come back? Try and come back? Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, I, I think that, well, I, I, you know, I was just wondering exactly which part you were talking about. I, look, I, I think that they waited as long as possible to see if he could come back. I think if you asked X, he would have tried to play in January. Um, but the people around him were saying, you're not healthy yet. You're not healthy enough to play. Could he have played at a much lower percentage than I think was right for him to play at? Yes. Uh, and he probably could play at a very reduced percentage right now. Uh, but I think the people around him decided there's no benefit to that. And also it may not help Indiana a whole lot to have a very diminished version of X trying to get healthy uh, minutes wise and, and trying to get, you know, game ready this late in the season. If he had come back in early February and ramped up slowly, maybe you hit your stride in March, but the fact that he had to be out so long made this kind of inevitable that he was either going to go uh, and, and be gone or he was going to try and come back. And that was really the the thing. And I will say, I heard for, I would say, a month straight that if he didn't come back this year, he was just going to go ahead and move on to the next level. A lot of his friends are going to be gone. You know, the team is looks like, I mean, just on, on the surface, unless some guys show up next year, uh, is going to be much less competitive next year. Would have been difficult for him. Uh, to go through that because he had kind of been part of building this back up the last two years. And and so I had heard for a while that it looked like if he wasn't healthy enough, he was just going to, going to take off. But now it appears he's, he's definitely going to try and come back and he's going to petition for an extra year. And he has a chance to do that. And uh, he would certainly be Indiana's best lead player next year. I don't think there's any question about that if healthy. So um, you know, in some ways it makes sense. I'm sure there's going to be some NIL money for him and, and, uh, you know, be in the face of Indiana basketball next year would be, would be a big thing for him. So we'll see. I, you know, I, I do think they waited as long as possible and, you know, it got to a point where people were like, well, is he ever going to, going to come back? And it got too late in the season for him to build up a, a, a minutes, you know, a pile of minutes behind him that would, that would make it so he could go full full bore in March. So it yeah. makes sense to a lot of people. Uh, the only question to me was whether or not he was going to take off or come back. And it appears he wants to try and come back at least. Yeah. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, all things being equal, like if he were healthy, I would rather him have played this year to see what of we course. could maximize this year. But, you know, given again, you know, we don't really know what his, he's not game health ready. is. Yeah. Yeah. And even so, if he's fully healthy, he's not game ready. You know, yeah. it's you saw yeah. when race came back, race was healthy and it took him weeks to get his legs under him. And there's just not that much time left, which, by the way, race looked really good against Michigan. He really did. <laughs> if he's if he's back to being race. That is a huge bump for this team. Race looked for the first time to me, looked like last year's race, like race for the first like time, pre all big season. 10 tournament last year's race. Yes. 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 The, totally. like the whole stretch of the big 10 pretty much uh, yep. until the tournament. So, Andy, one more thing on, you know, the X issue, because I think, you know, look, in reality, X is a really good player. He's an all Big Ten level point guard. So having him play this year for a short period of time to help this team or having him for a full season next year, it's a win win. You know, either way, it's a positive. And so obviously, you know, we hope everything works out with the waiver and all of that stuff. Was there any chance for Indiana to get like a seeding bump if X did come back, looked somewhat like himself for three or four games, 
would the committee take that into account? Like, hey, they just got this guy back. Maybe they're even better. They could bump Indiana up to a three, or is that a pipe dream? Was it a pipe dream? I, I don't know that that would have made a huge amount of difference. I think you'd have had to have him back enough games for it really to to matter. It, it's a little bit of the opposite of what you're going to see with UCLA over the next couple of days. They, they lose Jalen Clark, who is one of their better players, not the best player. Um, but you know, everybody now is trying to figure out, well, does that cost UCLA a seed line? Well, you're not going to get a huge opportunity to see what they look like without them. Yeah. And, and really at this point with IU, I don't know that hearkening back to what they look like at the beginning of the season when he was healthy is reflective of what they would be when he came back anyway. So I, I'm not really, I, I tend to think not. Um, I, I think the consideration given is a lot more for, you know, maybe top, two type player on the team. Um, and I don't, I just don't know that you could have shown enough in a limited amount of time that would say, Hey, this really elevates what they are. And so I, I don't think it would have, I don't think it would have made a difference. And I think that, you know, ultimately ties into some of the decision-making as well. And it's what Ryan said of like, how long do you really have to be able to get him in game shape? We kept talking about that as the season went along. It's like, well, how many games can you get him to help him ramp up so that he can be, ready for the tournament and I think the clock just kind of ran out on that to a certain extent and you you and then you also reach a point where both as the player and and whatever else it's like okay if I'm not 100% what does that look like um yeah am I putting myself at risk am I doing whatever and, and quite honestly the the option for him to come back is, is certainly dependent upon the waiver but was really never anything that entered in to my mind as as one of the options, you know what I mean? Like if you had said, well, these, you know, here's a couple of things are going to happen. I, I wouldn't have thought that that was true. And I do think it's a potential help for, you know, giving the team a little bit of stability or a foundation next year when you're going to lose a lot. Uh, certainly you can improve by getting guys out of the portal and, and IU has been uh, fortunate in, in recent seasons to be able to take advantage of some guys who, coaching changes they got out of their commitment and were able to, to swoop in and get some of those guys but i think it at least gives you a, a a building block that you know what to expect from other than that you you got a lot of guys who you you might be excited about and um and think can maybe make a leap but you don't really know and so in this case at least it, it gives you uh a piece to start with and and certainly having a, a strong point guard is a is a great place to start in college basketball Brett said, does Xavier coming back make it more likely that IU can attract a quality big? And I would say yes for two reasons. One, because a lot of attention that was going to have to be spent trying to find an experienced point guard now doesn't have to be spent if Xavier Johnson is coming back because you've got him and you've got a guy in Gabe Cups that you believe can be that 10 to 15 minute guy off the bench. You don't want to have to thrust him into a starting position. So you don't have to spend that time. And then also, I mean, I think there's some pretty obvious uh, videos from the end of last season to show any potential big man of what it's like to play with Xavier Johnson, especially any big man who can catch a lob. Uh, I would think that would be pretty attractive uh, to a guy like that to play with a guy like X. So, yes, uh, I do think it does. And it allows, you know, people who are in the portal and want to go to a team that's going to be competitive to look and say, OK, they lost a lot. There's a lot of minutes there. But this is now a coach that has made two straight NCAA tournaments. You've got an all Big Ten level point guard. You've got some, you know, some talented younger players ready to step up. This is a place that I can go help continue to succeed. 
Uh, and so I think it does a lot of those things for next year's team, uh, which is nice. One one last thing on the, on the transfer idea, um, especially a veteran transfer that's looking for a running buddy or something like that. I think you're right, Jared. I think it does help because this team coming back, it, it's not that Indiana won't be competitive next year, but it's looking like a young middle of the Big Ten squad that's building towards something further down the road. But if you bring back your senior point guard, and you can get maybe a, another scorer or a, a big. And I think looking at the roster, you might need a big and a stretch four or two bigs or, or something just because of the lack of depth there. Uh, it does, I think, help. But, you know, you got to you got to I, I would say I don't think X would be coming back if he didn't think Indiana could be competitive next year. Uh, right. and, and so maybe he thinks that they're going to be able to get, you know, another big another wing something you know to help because you got to think of not only additions but potential subtractions as well and he's seen the returning guys up close you know Malik Renew and you know some of these young guys CJ Gunn Caleb Banks that you you know would you know expect to be able to take jumps in their second season um so you know look again I would have much rather had him healthy this season let's maximize what's here this season that didn't happen so the next you know kind of the, the next step or the the next option is still a really good one with him coming back next year, uh, which is Ryan said, it's kind of shaping up to be a bit of a transition year where you just kind of look, let's stay competitive in the big 10. Let's make the NCAA tournament, keep the momentum going before we can get some big recruiting classes in 2024, 25, but also you get enough in, impact transfers. It could be better than that. So yeah, we wait and, and see. And one thing is I think that people, you know, the freshmen coming in next year are more like freshmen. There's no Jalen to uh, there's no, you know, Malik Renew is even probably, I know he had a downturn during the year, but he's going to be real good next year. I think he's, you know, probably with X coming back, I think Renew becomes your second best player. I, I would have thought without X, he's probably your best player. Um, but the guys coming in are, are going to be role players to start. I think, I think it would be a shock if either of those guys is starting uh, yeah. cups or Newton doesn't mean they're not going to be good players, but I think that it's going to, there's going to be a transition to college basketball that didn't exist for Jalen Ochevino. Right. Yeah, they're they're more along the track of like a Caleb Banks, CJ Gunn, exactly. maybe you know, give or take a little bit, you know, more playing time here and there. But but generally speaking, they're more like like those guys. And you've got Galloway, so you've got some, um, you know, at least ball handling and and kind of playmaking. You've got some guys there. It's it's definitely getting some bigs and shooters and and all those kinds of things. Yep. Okay, coming up on Assembly Call Radio in our second segment, we are going to have some reactions to the Big Ten Tournament, look ahead to Indiana's potential path, and then while Andy's here, we'll talk some bracketology. We know Indiana will make the field. What's the ceiling and floor in their seat at this point? Who should we be cheering for? We'll discuss. Stick with us. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to all the chat mobbers out there. Good to see you all there. It's always nice to have you here on a Thursday evening. Nice to see Megan popping her head up from her busy time to come join us. Always happy to have you, Megan. Uh, by the way, next uh, the next matchup, could it's either going to be Maryland, who they played terribly against, but it was at Maryland, which is an incredibly difficult place to play, or Minnesota, and they'll finally get to face Dawson Garcia. Hey, <laughs> very nice. <laughs> Does does Woody just retire to a cigar bar and let Coach Yaw handle the Minnesota game since he did it the first time? Or do you think Woody hangs around gonna, for that one? I'm going to say no, but, yeah. you know. Cigar bar maybe had that one been a little bit uh, less tense, a little bit more of a walk in the park than maybe. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I like where they're at right now. I think I think the revenge factor against Maryland and Penn State and Northwestern all is going to motivate them. I mean, Northwestern, those are two games they should have won. I went back and watched the the first one, and they should have won. They just played game. like ass in the first they, one. They I did. Mean, and the second one was they played terribly in the second half. Or, I mean, the first yeah. half. So, no, I, I, I like you, Penn State's you know. playing as well as anybody in the league right now, though. Yes, I know. And, and the, they just the got offense... hard. They, they got tough matchups for, from an IU perspective. It's like, and I, I mean, from a lot of people, like, who do you put on picket? And, yeah. Who guarded him uh, the first time? Nobody. We I guarded mean, no. Well, I mean, no, no but who did they, they run out there against him? Was it? I honestly, don't, I honestly don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, Geronimo played some in that game. I, I don't really. I, I did. I That's right. Remember. Geronimo yeah. played. That's that. definitely not one that I'll be rewatching. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, and I think but, that, again, if that game happens at Assembly Hall, I still think they lose. I just don't think they get run off the floor like they did. Um, But yeah, I mean, if Penn State's hitting threes, you're toast. I think that's just, you just, okay, well, that's it. Like if they hit 13 threes or whatever it is, you're going to lose anyway. Like it doesn't matter. So, but I do yeah, think that they're just a kind of like free flowing offense. I feel like that IU does not deal well. with. It's the same as yes. Iowa. It's basically the same as Iowa. A hundred percent. And they, they just straight line drive Indiana to death in that game. And that opened up the threes. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yep. All right. We'll save those takes. Okay. We'll talk about them here. Coming up in segment two. Here we go. <clears throat> What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Alrighty, thank you, Christian. Christian Watford, the co-host of the excellent new podcast Ball from Assembly Hall with Derek Elston, uh, which I have very much enjoyed listening to, and I think we're going to try and get those guys on uh, here in the offseason to talk more IU hoops, but definitely go listen to that. It's called Ball from Assembly Hall. It's part of, I don't remember the name of the network, but it's a network of all Big Ten shows. They've got a show for each team that has ex-players talking on it. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a nice kind of way to get some unique insight um, from guys who have played in the league, so... Very interesting. Uh, I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. 
And this is Assembly Call Radio, and we're about to talk about the Big Ten Tournament, about to talk about bracketology. But before we do that, since it's Thursday night here, our main segment brought to you by our new sponsor this season, True Blood Real Estate, Jim True Blood, the founder of True Blood Real Estate, a longtime friend of mine, actually the first guy I ever went to an NCAA tournament game with. Uh, and he's been helping people in Indiana buy and sell real estate properties since 2006. And starting this season, True Blood Real Estate they became the exclusive and official real estate partner of IU Athletics with a team of talented agents to serve you in Bloomington and throughout Indiana. So if you're looking to buy or sell real estate in Indiana, you need to experience the True Blood Advantage. Go to TrueBloodRE.com to learn more. That's TrueBloodRE.com and tell them the assembly call sent you. All right, so let's talk Big Ten Tournament. Uh, Andy, as we talk right now, I believe the Minnesota-Maryland game is tipping off, uh, and Minnesota obviously has been the worst team in the conference. Maryland has been excellent, but mostly at home and not away from home. Uh, is there any reason to cheer for or to not want Minnesota to win this game? I, if there is, I'm not sure what it would be. They'd be playing their third game in three days. I know. So <laughs> I know. Uh, it feels, I mean, for a team that doesn't have a ton of depth or at least a ton of quality depth. Yeah. That feels like the, I guess it would no, just I mean, be, if you believe Maryland is just so incompetent away from home, but I don't think they're quite that bad. Um, I mean, they're close. They're <laughs> only two road wins this year at Minnesota and at Louisville. So um <laughs> Do with that what you will, but uh, no. So I, I yeah, I, I think certainly would be good to that. You do see teams get hot in these, but I think, um, I think you know, if you had your choice, you'd probably take Minnesota on, you know, third game in three days. But eight to Maryland early, so it may okay. not. Uh, <laughs> may, it may not, not be. May not uh, happen. What are your What are your early takes from Big Ten tournament action so far? We've had what five games, and I believe the underdog has won every one. Ohio State. Yep. Ohio State is on a very predictable two-game winning streak after Mark Titus moved to Chicago and the Big Ten tournament is in Chicago. Of course, Ohio State would go on a run. Uh, Michigan got blasted by Rutgers in a must-win game uh, for both teams. Any big takeaways for you from what you've seen so far? Any surprises? Any Anything stand out? I mean, I think uh, there's been a lot of NCAA tournament implications in the games and kind of how some of the teams have played in the face of those uh, has been interesting. You know, if you start with the Wisconsin game, they, I, I wouldn't be completely stunned to see them make it, but it would, you know, they'd Wisconsin? be the highest ranked team. Yeah. They'd be the highest ranked team in the net to ever make it at this point. They just have enough quality wins and they won at Marquette. They won at Iowa. Like if the committee really values those, there's a chance. I think it's unlikely uh, I think they're a game or two under 500 against the top three quadrants. So it seems, Jeez. seems unlikely, but just really didn't, you know, it mounted that huge comeback late, but it just really struggled out of the gate. And that gave Ohio state some confidence. They carried into today, you know, Rutgers, Michigan, Michigan got off to a really good start and, and Rutgers could have easily folded, but man, I tell you, watching that game, you could hear their coaching staff. You could hear the bench, like just kind of willing these guys to get back in the game. And once they got it, they were rolling. And Michigan was one of a billion for the Bulldozed. first part of the the second half, and just were, you know, it was you know, quite honestly, it looked like Rutgers teams that I used played at times where they just get rolling and hitting everything they throw up and, and whatever else. But I just thought it was was really impressed by the the coaching staff kind of knowing what their team needed 
Um, you know, Pykele was you know at the at the front of that, but just really knowing what they needed to kind of pull them through when the things weren't going their way at the beginning of the game, and uh, you know, seemed to kind of push the right buttons. And then, you know, Penn State, Illinois, uh, Penn State's playing as well as anybody in the league right now. They've got a lot of confidence. They win in close games. Uh, certainly have proven to have Illinois' number. And Illinois and Michigan, to me, very similar. Tons of talent, a little bit head-scratching what they do, but their in-game decision-making and basketball IQ type stuff is uh, is not very good. Uh, Been there. It's it just, you know, just their understanding of what's a good shot at a given point in the game. Just thought Illinois panicked way too early. And I think Michigan did a little bit of that as well in their game where, you know, you've got the talent to get yourself back in the game, but just had pieces that didn't really play well together unless everything was going great and then everything was fine. But it seemed like both teams that once a little adversity hit really struggled to to rebound both within games and from game to game. Ryan, if you were a Michigan fan, how worried would you be about the future of the Juwan Howard era? Because as we've gotten further from the John Beeline era, his teams are struggling more and more, even though there's still a lot of talent on the rosters. First of all, what a weird year that Michigan and Wisconsin could be out of the tournament when they're kind of you pencil them in every year at you know at this point in the Big Ten. Greg Garden, Juwan Howard in the NIT. Let's go. <laughs> North Carolina. Hey, Michigan, North Carolina, baby. North Call in the final right now. Um no, I, I yeah, because North Carolina is going to show up motivated for the NIT. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Could finally take home a banner. Under. Caleb uh, Love shooting fall away 35-footers yeah. the entire game. That sounds God, that, the quality of that win really dropped for Indiana, didn't it? Yeah, no kidding. Um, no, I, uh, if I were Michigan, I'd be, I'd be worried. I think the problem with Juwan Howard is I, you have to mix and match your recruiting classes. And you have to recruit talent, but you also have to recruit program players. And that's building a program, not a team. And it feels like he's built teams, not programs. And not a program. And, you know, you have enough guys who think they're the alpha, then it's it's way too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, you got to have a hierarchy on your team of who gets what when, who does what when, and whose value to the team is understood. And it just feels like, you could say like, oh, well, Hunter Dickinson should take the game winning shot, but Jed Howard's also there. But then, you know, there's other guys that, you know, I'd give it to Kobe Bufkin. I mean, yeah, Bufkin, Doug, uh, you know, McDaniel, like they just, they have like a whole group of guys who feel like individual players and it's never been a team. And so, yeah, I'd be worried. Um, I would not be shocked if, you know, a, a pro team comes calling if, if he looks and uh, he might be t- smart to jump before things gives get it a hard bad. look. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But then again, maybe he's Harbaugh who teases that every year and then winds up staying. I don't know. But I, I, yeah, it just doesn't feel like a well-constructed program at the moment. It feels like they're getting players. It just doesn't feel like it's put together well. And he, he's not alone in that, you know, style of, of program. Uh, but Michigan has always felt a little bit different. Like they've been able to have those program guys who are hitting threes against you in March and just piss you off to no end. And I don't really see those guys on that, on that roster right now. I mean, has there been a big 10 coach in the last 20 years better at getting and developing those guys than John Beeline? Probably not. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, like, yeah, I know it's that, I mean, or, or it was like Bo Ryan, 
You yeah. know, like those were the two guys that just always had these guys who you didn't hear from for three years. And then his seniors are just burying threes <laughs> in a key situation. Yeah. And you're like, when did he get that guy? And it's like four years ago. Yeah. He's just been slowly biding his time. Yeah. And I think, I think when you contrast what, um, you know, I'm sure coach would love to be here to have this conversation, but when you contrast what Micah Shrewsbury's done at Penn state, he's getting, you know, the, the, um, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. It, it's like they play well together. They have a defined style. They share the ball well, and they, you can tell they just enjoy, uh, you know, being out there and competing with one another. And you just don't get that from some of these teams that are more talented. I mean, he's just overachieving with what he, um, you know, with what he has because he's found ways to make the pieces work. And and with Shrewsbury's case, you know, he's done it through you know, bringing in some grad transfers and trying to surround them with pieces and, um, and, and things like that. But I just think you, you see him getting more out of those guys than the talent would suggest. And I feel like Illinois has been pretty mercurial this year. And, and certainly Michigan has gotten, feels like they've gotten less out of them than what you would expect based on the level of talent on the roster. Ryan's down here glowing in the, in the bottom screen. He just shared something in the chat. You want to, you want to share with the folks what has you so happy? Oh, Tim Miles beat Steve Alford today. <laughs> I always knew I liked that guy. Is San Jose State, are they going to the tournament? No, they've been like amazing turnaround from him, though. I think they won their 20th game today. I believe they said on the broadcast they had won a total of 20 games the last three years. And wow. He's he, good coach. So they, like he was, they have to win the conference tournament to get it. Yeah, they have to win the conference tournament to get it. They were the five seed. Uh, but he uh, may have knocked Alford's crew out of the tournament, actually. Um mm. But, uh, yeah, they won 20 games. I think Miles was the coach of the year. I think they even had the player of the year in the conference, too, which is somewhat odd for a, a five seed. But, so, I mean, this feels like the best time to bring up with Bayheim retiring, having to have uh, Tom Crean on talking about <laughs> – in studio talking about Jim Bayheim retiring. I was like, oh, my God. Oh Eamon boy. Brennan uh, and I – I guy. was like, just rip the TV off the wall and throw it. <laughs> Eamon Brennan, a, uh, an IU guy, had a great tweet about Jim Beheim. Somebody, the quote was uh, like, well, hey, you always knew where you stood with Jim Beheim." And Eamon quote tweeted, he said, this is the kind of thing they said about Livia Soprano at her wake. And it's, <laughs> if you've watched yeah. The Sopranos, that is a great reference and 100% great, true. It was a great line. Yeah. Um, okay, so last question about the Big Ten tournament. Obviously, Indiana is going to face Maryland or Minnesota. I think there are reasons, even though Indiana struggled in both those games against those teams in their buildings, you know, winning one, losing one. I think there are reasons to feel good about either one of those matchups for Indiana, especially, you know, if you get Maryland away from home or if you get Minnesota on two straight days. So fair to say it will be a disappointment if Indiana loses tomorrow night. Uh, but then, Andy, you know, as you look ahead to Saturday, Indiana is going to face the winner of Northwestern and Penn State. Now, normally it would say, well, obviously you want to face the 10 seed and not the two seed. But given the given how the three games against those two those teams went, Indiana lost to all of them. Two competitive games to Northwestern and one decidedly non-competitive game to Penn State. Who would you prefer to play Saturday if you had your choice? I actually think it's kind of easy. <laughs> yeah, I I just look at how Penn State is playing right now and I have no idea who would guard Jalen Pickett, so I think I just automatically go with Northwestern. <laughs> I think I would scenario. too. Yeah, uh, honestly. Now, 
you could probably make the same argument about who do you have that you feel like can really contain Boo Booey at this point, and and uh, it, you know IU has not. Well, it depends. Are they calling? In... Are they calling pushoffs or no at the yeah. tournament? That's a fair question. Uh, but I mean, they they really in large parts of both games iu has played well but in large parts of both games as well i mean northwestern has gotten whatever they wanted offensively yeah um and so i don't think either one feels like a particularly great matchup uh obviously you got a whole bunch of teams on their side of the bracket that they've not played well against which is why it was so important to get the help that they did uh on sunday in order to be able to you know win some you know to be seated where they were in the tournament because they didn't have uh, a lot of those those tiebreakers against some of those teams, but yeah, I'd be inclined to say Northwestern. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, you'd also be, you know, facing Penn State on their third game in three days as well. They they rely a lot on just a few guys, but I, I think the style that they play is uh, would give IU some some trouble. Is it interesting that we're Hard the three agree. seed? We're the three seed. And we are guaranteed in the four first two games in the Big Ten tournament to not play a team that we beat this season. Yes. All the teams that we could play are teams that have Which, given us. how hard the schedule was, is pretty darn hard to believe, <laughs> really. No. It's so strange. So we also strange. Had a, we also had kind of a schizophrenic season, if you look at wins and losses. And you don't take into account, like, you know, injuries and all that where it makes more sense. But swept by Iowa, but swept Purdue. Like, you know, I split with Michigan State, which – they're probably better than me. I mean, I know that again, that game, there was a lot more going on there than just the game swept by Northwestern swept Illinois. Like it's, you know, for a normal year, you would be looking at that and just like what, but one at the barn, you know, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's just a weird mix. Oh, that's right. We won the Minnesota game. I keep forgetting that we did win the Minnesota game. Just, so I yeah, take that they, back. We yeah. could potentially play Minnesota. That's one we came on after the show too. And didn't we're like, feel, hey, yeah. win is a win at the barn. Like, you yeah. know, it was we were Just, very apologetic for the win there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but no, I, I it, it is interesting if you look down the the line. I mean, to get swept by Iowa this year. Is just what? I mean, but we've he, got a type. There is definitely a, there's yeah. definitely a matchup we should free flowing with. open offenses really give yes. us some trouble. Yes. That's even why Minnesota really I think at times has given IU that they kind of play that way with they, they hit all those threes toward the end of the game. I think it was last year or two years ago when oh gosh, they had yes. the huge lead and let them come back. It was just kind of wide open doing that. You got a big guy who can step out and shoot some of those things. Like, yeah, there's definitely a type that gives IU trouble. That's for sure. Wisconsin, but <laughs> you know, like that's just not normal. For yeah. IU. Like, mm-hmm. It's yeah. I don't know. Usually, I mean, you, a year like this, you would think they'd split Illinois, you know, on the road and, but they beat Illinois by like what? 15 on the road, almost 20. Mm, it's been a weird, that... it really has been a weird year. If you look at Indiana's results down the list. Well, and... but that's true about the entire big 10. I mean, it is. It is. And that's why a lot of people, a lot of the national folks still think Indiana is kind of a dark horse final four pick because we can beat good teams. You know, we've shown that. Hopefully we can avoid some of the bad matchups. And speaking of that, Andy, let's transition into a little bit of bracketology talk. I mean, it, you know, there's only so much that, that we can talk about. And I highly recommend everybody check inside the hall where Andy posts his brackets now. You've been posting there for six, seven years now, I think. Um, then you're also doing a field of 68. Um, so obviously this stuff can change, but you know, are there any updates on kind of what you think the ceiling and floor is for IU seed? And are there any teams that you think Indiana fans should be cheering for or against based on the fact that it could help Indiana seeding or because it's a potential matchup that Indiana wants to avoid in the first or second round? 
Yeah, in terms of, um, well, I guess I'll kind of try to take the order of the things that you said. So, yeah, I'll have uh, projections up Friday, probably late morning at Inside the Hall, and then probably not again till Sunday. Um, and we'll do it then. And then uh, Fielding the 68, I was on the last show that I'll be on today, um, but definitely would encourage everybody to check it out tomorrow as well. Uh, we'll be on 5 o'clock uh, as usual, and then I think they're doing a, a – a selection show uh, of it kind of as they reveal the brackets and things like that. So uh, it's been awesome to do that the last couple of years, a really good, uh, really good group of, of bracketologists. I know Rocco has Rocco Miller has been on with Alex on podcast on the brink before. So probably a voice that people have heard. He's uh he's awesome. Lucas Harkins and Brad Bachtel were the other uh, bracketologists. And then some of the three man weave guys and, and Greg Waddell, who's a, a huge big 10 fan uh, as the host. So it's been a, a cool experience. Those guys have a, a, a good thing going over there for sure. So yeah, they do. Uh, in terms of you know ceiling for the the seed, I I struggle to think that IU can get to a three, which will probably feed into my answer to your last question here in a second. Um, I think there's a combination of things that why I say that. One is they got to leapfrog a few teams. Two is by the time they would get enough wins to do that, it, it feels like it's past the time when the committee is really doing a whole lot. So uh, I, by the same token, I don't know that there's a huge chance of dropping to a five either uh i think as of now i had them as my second four seed i mean maybe if it's minnesota and you lose to minnesota maybe there's a little bit more um ability to 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 drop in that scenario but somebody's also got to come and catch you uh at that point as well so i think the range is a three to a five i think the four is by far the most likely outcome uh in terms of where things are now and then as far as, you know, who to root for or against, you know, as you look at the teams that are in front of IU on the three line, I'm just using bracket matrix right now, although this is pretty similar to what I have. You know, you've got Gonzaga, Marquette, who almost lost today, but I don't think would have dropped far enough that IU would pass them. They won the Big East regular season, uh, and now they play UConn tomorrow. That's not going to be a bad loss uh, at all. Kansas State, they're playing now, I believe. Uh, playing TCU and then Tennessee is probably the, the lowest rated is the lowest rated three seed on there. I actually had them as a four. I had UConn just in front of them. They've got, I don't know that they've been as good as some of the numbers would suggest over the course of the year. They lost to Kai Ziegler, their point guard uh, and, and how that affects their seed is, is, is yet to be seen. And then around IU, you've got UConn in front of them who I think has a better resume uh, overall based on some of the things they were able to accomplish early in the season and playing well again of late. Uh, and then you know, Xavier's right there by IU. They had to come back to beat DePaul. IU's got the head-to-head over them, so they're probably, you know, if they're in front of IU, it's not by a lot. And then Virginia kind of just behind. So I don't know that there's a lot of ability to leapfrog those teams because I think you, you probably could if you really took into account all the results of the weekend, but we kind of know that that's not often the way that it goes. Um, but like I said, I also am not sure that, you know, maybe a Miami or a San Diego State, uh, could really come and, and catch and leapfrog IU, um, you know, San Diego State. I think they both almost both won close games today. Uh, you know, I'm just not sure that they they'll do enough to to catch IU even if they lose. So again, that's kind of why I said the four is most likely. And then to your last question, in terms of like early matchups, if you assume there are four, the current five seeds are Miami, San Diego State, St. Mary's, which I know gives everybody uh, PTSD uh, again, which you're giving me a hard time about on uh, on Twitter today, and <laughs> Iowa State. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that Miami's got really good guards, uh, and pretty versatile. Jim Laranega is a really good coach. I think that would be an interesting one. San Diego state just can kind of grind you down defensively. Always a tough team. Uh, yeah, but they're St. from Mary's, San Diego. So they're soft. Weak. 
Yeah. And uh, they're big yeah, too. St. Mary's. There's a lot of times that they the committee tries to certainly in the first round tries to stay away from uh, you know rematches. So I, I may have you know I, I don't know how certainly in the first round game they wouldn't have one. Um, we'll see how that goes. They need the Gonzaga game plan from the WCC title game because they just ran them off the floor. And then Iowa State's been really up and down. Um, they've uh, they own Baylor. They're now three and zero against Baylor after they beat them today in the Big Twelve. They had uh, they were higher than IU in the uh, the the top sixteen reveal, and then proceeded to lose. I think four games in a row, but they've righted the ship here a little hmm. bit late. TCU's also in that mix um, of the of there. They've had some injuries this season, so they uh, they lost a few games and are in that six range. And then you got Kentucky, Texas A and M, maybe Creighton in the six. Like if they work themselves up to a five. Could maybe see that with more one of the SEC schools, perhaps than uh, than Creighton. So, some you know, I know everybody will say, "Well, the selection committee, if they can, they're going to find a way to have IU and Kentucky play." I'm not saying it might not work out that way if they do get up to a five, but it it will likely be because if that's the way that the uh, the bracketing rules work, especially with the big as many Big Twelve teams at the top as there are, there's a lot of those rules that come into play and different things like that. So, I don't know that there's anybody to really root for or against, just because I'm not. I'm not sure there's a lot of movement that IU is going to going to have uh, at this stage of things. When do you uh, get your final bracket? Like when do you turn in the very final one? Typically, uh, usually it's due. I don't think the the guy at the bracket matrix he usually sends an email with kind of instructions and deadlines and stuff like that. You can send it in as early as you want. I mean, realistically, I think a lot of times you're waiting, especially if there's like a bid thief scenario. I feel like a couple of years ago there was somebody in the American uh, conference title game that wouldn't have gotten in if they uh, otherwise. So you kind of had to wait on that a little bit, but I think the American and the big 10 are the last two uh, of the day. And I think one, one of them that used to be last day, I want to say the a 10 may have shifted to, to finish up on Saturday, but uh, yeah. So it's usually late afternoon, Sunday, kind of whenever, whenever you want, if you want to wait for the big 10 game to be over, knowing that the committee is not going to do anything different with it, you're welcome to, um, but it'll usually be then. There's a couple uh, other final games. I think the Ivy league is, uh, is Sunday and uh, maybe one other one bid, you know, typical one bid league. So you got to wait till those are done. So you make sure that those are correct. So Not that really. Indiana, Ohio state, big 10 tournament title game is really going to cause some problems on uh, bracket. Uh, really, huh? really well, really Andy, well. quick question. How many bids have been stolen so far? Do you think? None really. Um, the, 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 well, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, there is obviously the the major conferences are still early enough where you could have you have teams alive who could fit that bill, but they're only in the quarterfinals at this point, so it's not really anything to worry about. But of the biggest small oppor- conferences, biggest opportunity for that in the small conferences is in in Conference USA. Uh, if somebody other than Florida Atlantic wins, then they're gonna they're gonna take one from somebody because Florida Atlantic's pretty safely in at this point, and they very well could lose. North Texas is good and has typically performed well in that uh, tournament because it's kind of in their backyard. Um, a bit but uh yeah that's really the only one of the single bid leagues who that's a, a possibility for now there may be okay. some others that somebody's there but even like the a10 uh nobody vcu won the regular season but they wouldn't make the they wouldn't make it if they didn't win the tournament gotcha. so, so really just conference usa is the one that bubble teams will be watching pretty intently and then whoever else might emerge from uh some of these other leagues so you know ohio state if you will but uh Big East is pretty close to not having any of those left with who's won so far, at least. All right. Well, thank you for the updates, Andy. Follow Andy on Twitter. Follow Coach Tonsoni and the guys at Delphi Bracketology. And, of course, our friend uh, Mike DeCourcy and Galen from Crimson Cast. All four of you guys do a great job with the brackets. We feel really lucky to 
be able to have so much insight from all of you guys. So follow all them, gobble up everything that they're putting out there here for the next few days, and then we'll find out what the actual bracket is on Sunday. Do us a favor, Chris Reynolds. We're counting on you. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, coming up here on the assembly call, it is time to turn our attention to our mailbag. We got a lot of good questions from our community members, and we also put out a call to Twitter for the random and ridiculous question of the day and got some fun ones there. We'll answer those questions next. Stick with us. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. All right, Andy, so I have to ask you for the beautiful, wonderful woman who I share a house with uh, and children with. Where's Texas A&M in the, uh, in the bracketing? I think I had, uh, I want to say I had them as the last six seed today. Mm. They're right in that six, seven range, which is... Uh, really a testament to how well they played in the uh you know in the sec they've had some big wins they're obviously beating alabama at the end was uh was huge for them but they really didn't do it they took a couple of bad losses in the non-conference but really came together over the course of the season i you know around when we started doing fielding the 68 probably early february i want to say i i think i joked that buzz williams was going to have to get his dossier ready again like he did last <laughs> year so he could uh state his case as to why but that turns out not necessary that they, they've played really, really well. And um, so, yeah, there's two guards. Safe. Good, I, I don't know that they could get up to a five. I think they're probably good six, seven range. I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine. That's all we're trying to avoid. We just want to avoid a second round matchup between Indiana and Texas A&M. So absolutely. We can, for absolutely. Your sanity. <laughs> yes. If we can avoid that, then we will be good. Um. Okay. Big news with uh, Patrick Ewing being let go finally that was yeah, i don't know that you really had any choice in that one i mean i get the whole you know his his status within that program historically but man just the on-court product has been i mean short of that one big east tournament run i think which i think was the covid year mm-hmm. um they were dreadful I mean, just god awful every single okay. year okay which uh big 10 coach did they go after which Big Ten coach should they go after? No, it, it, like there's always a guy from the major conferences thrown in for a job like Georgetown, a historical, you know. There's always guys. I'm just wondering, who do you think? What name do you think is going to pop up? Whether or not they'd go or not, what name do you think pops up? One name. Will I mean, pop up. Shrewsbury. That's what but I not. Think. Yeah, but I think that they would want someone a little bit more proven. I mean, aren't they going to? I would no. bet Shaheen Holloway's name gets thrown around. Yeah, but he just. 
went to Seton Hall. He's I know, but Seton Hall is one of the worst. Seton Hall is one of the worst jobs facility wise in the country. So I think that yeah, that's also his yeah, he, may, he may he only go there for one yeah. year. I don't know. Um, I don't see that. I've heard, I bet that I'm just named. I'm talking. I'm not talking about, about who's going to go there. Where's Patino going to go? Where's he going to end up? He has let everybody know he is open for business. I think St. John's and Patino is the. That sounds. That Mark Titus said that. What's a better that, job, St. John's or Georgetown? I think it depends who you are. Patino playing at the Garden, it's it's St. John's. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, I kind of feel like Georgetown is. I do I, too. I mean, they've been yeah. so bad for so long. It just it's like devalued the product. but they were here's the thing i still have in my head what they used to be yeah uh, which is probably unfair to and here's here's back in jim Beheim's big east between between georgetown (laughs) and st john's georgetown has been good far more recently has had a good product yeah gosh st john's i mean it's been that's even like before us like they had a yeah. little brief thing when like, felipe lopez went there yeah. and outside of that they've done nothing but, i mean they were it wasn't yeah. georgetown like a two seed in 2013 yeah. or something like yeah, that when they had like hibbert and uh yeah they've had well some that, that was teams. before that they, they, the year they had like Otto porter was that was when yeah, they lost he to was florida, decent. florida golf who's the other guy? jeff jeff green is that who was he yeah there? he went there jeff green um yeah they but, had I mean, yeah john Otto thompson the third had some good teams yeah they were yeah. two seed. Yeah, he had a group that was pretty good. For they lost a to a fifteen, years. but they were a two seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and then yeah, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's the other big one that will probably affect the Big Ten more. Yes, yeah, I would agree. There. Like I, the one I, I wouldn't be surprised. Might go after Shrewsbury. Yeah, I think Shrewsbury. I mean, they. I think they'd love to have Holtman. Um, and then I think Porter Moser is also another guy they they'll look hard at. I thought um, I heard he already said he didn't want, he wouldn't. Did he? I hadn't heard he that. He wasn't going anywhere. Okay. I, I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong about that. Um, but yeah, I could see that. Chris Collins, maybe. Although I Western needs to pay him. him. Yeah, I wasn't. But here's the thing about paying him, though, is like he had a good year a couple years ago, and you were like, oh, it looks like they're coming up. Then they went back down. Dude, if I were Collins, I would leave. I mean, I would it's too. like the Buzz Williams I would, scenario. I would, you know, I would jump as. Fast this is the as best it's ever going to get for Chris Collins. Yep. That <laughs> is, is what it, I was, that's what I was trying to say. Is that like if North, if if, I mean, I, I think that if Northwestern pays him, Northwestern pays him, but and you just you're Northwestern, so you're okay with that. Um, but. If I'm another school trying to poach him, I'm very wary of his track record. He's got two senior guards who have been around forever and are the best backcourt in the Big Ten this year, probably. And he got he tied for he won 12 games, which is not bad. This was a tough Big Ten. Yeah, he's now done but, it twice at Northwestern. Like give him a true. school. No, and with, that's the other side that's of the more argument. comparable to the other schools in his conference. That's that's the other side of the argument is well, he's gotten them this high before. The other argument is all those other years, he needed this specific group, I think, to fit his system play system. And when but that's how it's gonna again. be. It's like Indiana and football. Agreed. You know, it's like Agreed. you build up it's for a good be, season and you gotta reset a little bit. No, yeah. I'm just saying there's two sides of the same argument. And and, yeah. and part of the argument is not just hiring them and convincing the but it's selling it to your boosters and fans. If you're yeah. selling a guy with that record, it's gonna be hard sell because you say, "Well, he won. T- he went 12 and eight in the conference. That's it. You know, it's not like he won no, 15 games. 
So it's the selling. Shrewsbury would be much more fun to sell for Notre Dame. I would agree with you because he took, you know, uh, because Penn State is, again, you know, although, you know, he walked into a not horrible situation there comparably, but no, I don't know. He's more of so, a blank slate, and he's got yes, a more fun I would backstory. Agree with that. And he's got the he's got the Celtics backstory, and yeah. You know, so yeah, no, it's just, just interesting. Side. I just think you can make arguments both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in terms of what he's been able to do with with kind of taking over a pretty barren roster yes. and fairly quickly turning it around. I mean, I think it's what you need to do there versus. And this is probably just having a larger sample size of what Collins is, but it feels like with him, a lot of things need to be exactly right or in a really good spot in order for him to succeed as opposed to and maybe that's not giving him enough credit it, it, that's certainly conceivable that i'm not giving him enough credit for you know for what he did with that team but i do think there's an element of what you what you said ryan you know really strong backcourt that has you know come together over the course of time he's certainly responsible for that but you know in a number of the other years when you had those guys as you were building up to that you were really not doing much of anything and yeah um, Aside from being Indiana a few times. Well, let's not let's not get, let's not do that. Uh, oh, hey, you, do you mind if I uh, if I bail? You bouncing uh, to work we'll on bounce. some, unless that, there, are there any uh, are there oh. any specific questions that you that are in there that you would want me to answer though? I, we can do those first if you want. Um, I I kind of glanced through. It looked like there was a couple that were yeah. There's one. Okay, so let's hit let's hit these off the top okay. and then we'll get you out. Of You're here. good. You're okay. good. Let's go to segment three here. <clears throat> here we go. <clears throat> It's Ethan Happ, and I never listen to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Well, thank you for chiming in with that, Ethan. We always appreciate it. Uh, I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy (laughs) Andy Bottoms. Eh, Maybe not. Uh, this is our final segment here on Assembly Call Radio this week on the eve of Indiana's uh, opening game in the Big Ten Tournament, which we will find out once the show is over, whether it's Minnesota or Maryland. Uh, but it's time for our mailbag. Uh, a lot of these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com community. And we also got some Twitter questions this week as well. But we are going to start out with a couple of bracketology questions for Andy because this is the busy time for Andy. We need to let him go so he can, you know, focus on his brackets, you know, maybe seeing his family for five or six minutes uh, at some point, you know. Uh, we know what his priority is. He's got lots of bracket work to do, so we're going to let him get off here so he can do that. And then Ryan and I will answer the rest of these questions. Uh, but let's see. Uh, Andy, here's the first one from Josiah. It says, for the bracketologists. So, Ryan, this question is definitely not for you and me. Uh, in the near impossible event that a really bad power conference team like Louisville, for example, or maybe Ohio State, did the unthinkable and won their conference tournament's auto bid, what seed would the committee give them? If that were ever to happen, would we actually see a power conference team as a 15 or 16 seed or would they more likely be a 13 or 14? <laughs> Louisville as an NCAA tournament team was kind of hilarious. I mean, that that has already I mean, that <laughs> dream has already died a couple of days ago. Uh I mean, it's it's odd because, like, if you look at the Louisville example, because I think Ohio State's a very different example. They still rank fairly high in the net. Yeah. Like, I think they'd probably end up as a 12-ish, maybe no lower than a 13. Yeah, they're now, 55th they're, in Ken Palm. It's not they're still, terrible. Yeah, they're still, like, 60-something in the net, um, and that's you know, before they beat Iowa today. So th- theirs would be a little bit different. 
Louisville, I have no idea because they were at like 300th in the net. <laughs> now, you would move up by virtue of who you'd have to beat. And and if you went through the ACC, I mean, obviously the Boston College win notwithstanding, but Purdue would have had, or not Purdue, Louisville would have needed to go through Carolina, Virginia, uh, NC State or or Clemson, and then pro- like Duke or Miami to win. So by virtue of that, you'd still end up with more like quality wins than the other teams would have. Now, you can't discount what you did the entire rest of the season, but I would think Louisville, I don't think they'd be a 16, but I do think there could be an argument to be a 15. I don't know how you'd evaluate somebody who had been so God awful the entire season and do that. But I, I, there's no, I mean, there's no way like a Louisville winning that would get to like the 12, 13 range. I, I don't think. Isn't it, I guess, have you looked, is this Louisville season worse than the worst green season? Is it worse than his first season? Because that team, would they go six and twenty-five, which is more wins than Louisville got. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You'd have to go back and look a little bit at like who they actually beat. I mean, Louisville beat Clemson. one of those wins was, was Chaminade in so. the conversation <laughs> for an NCAA tournament bid. But yeah, it's got to be pretty close to that, though. I mean, let's see. Just Green's first brutal. team was two hundred ninth in Ken Palm. Mm. Yeah, Louisville's sub three hundred. So apparently. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Apparently that was better. Gosh, that's so yeah. bad. They're yeah, 294. unbelievable. So, mm. wow. Um, okay, I think there's one more question here for you, Andy. Uh, from Max. Um, let's assume that we're locked into a number four seed. Out of the likely five seeds, who would you most or least want to play in the round of 32? How about the same for the one seeds if we were to reach the Sweet 16? You kind of addressed this earlier. Or at least the five seeds. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the five seeds are, are interesting. I think, yeah, and I, I don't think you'd mind playing whatever Big 12 team is there if it's an Iowa State or a TCU. I think TCU is really good, um, but they've got some guys that are a little banged up at this point. Iowa Didn't State's one of their guys just leave the team, too? Accusing uh, Jamie th- Dixon of, like, saying some racial thing? Oh, I I heard one of their players left the team. I did not necessarily hear the the backstory to it. So yeah, there's that, some like, that could crazy well backstory be. to it. Oh, well, that seems good. Uh, yeah. So maybe them then. Um, but uh, you know, Iowa State just—I mean, they're they're good defensively. That would be a grinder. That would be much like a Big Ten game, quite honestly. I would I would say with them, you know, St. Mary's. Uh, I, I I think everybody'd probably be a little bit scared off of that. You know, San Diego State. I wouldn't mind. I think Miami might be the one I'd least like to play uh, of the fives, just because I think they've got got good guards i've got a, a big guy that can step out and shoot it a little bit so I, I guess i'll say them of the ones that are in that general range now you know and look i mean indiana hasn't lost to a team ranked worse than 49th all season i mean they took care of business against the bad team so i think a lot of us fairly feel like indiana can handle their first round matchup last question for you are there any of those teams that are at the 13 line that you think stylistically presents a particular challenge for indiana uh I I will be honest and say I don't know that I've watched enough of of some of them play to have a great feel for that. Toledo is is the best of those I would say uh, at this point. Um, Utah Valley is interesting. I think I believe that's a school that uh, I think Mark Madsen is the coach of. I want to say. Uh, I'll look Mark that. Madsen. I'll look, I'll look that up real quick. Does he I'm dance after victories? Uh, that's unclear. They did win the. <laughs> or they did win the whack, so maybe he did. I, I'm not sure, but uh, you know, I think he's an up and coming coach, so maybe there's something to be said for that. But yeah, of the ones that are there, I think Toledo's uh, 
and, and they may not win the Mac. It could be um, Kent State, who's pretty good there as well. But uh, the other third teams right now are Utah Valley, Yale, and Iona. Uh, so you could have a Patino Ooh. matchup there. Uh, they they got off to a little bit of a slow start, but they played well lately. Uh, so. I'd like to stay away from Rick Patino in the NCAA tournament. I think any. I think that's reasonable. <laughs> uh, and then and the one seed part of the question. I mean, tough to say. You, you're not really. If I use a four, they won't get put in the same region as Purdue, um, Kansas. We've kind of seen how that played out. Uh, does not feel like that's one you'd want to go back to the well on. So Although with a healthy Jalen and Trace, I think that game goes differently. I don't. Maybe, but I, I don't know. Uh, and then so that leaves you with Alabama and Houston. Yeah, Alabama struggled in. in you know, since some of the news coming out about them, they've not played as well uh, since then. They're somewhat high variance in terms of the way they can uh, shoot it really well at times, turn the ball over a lot at other times, shoot it really poorly at times uh, versus the, you know, Houston is going to be an absolute, you know, grinder in terms of yeah, guys, how they we're play getting, defensively. And we're getting put in Houston's region. It's just, it's, it's inevitable. Yeah. It's going to happen. Just, pre- just, I'm, I'm mentally preparing myself for it. So we can, they're, I mean, they're really, really good. Uh, so I, I guess mean, we always end pick... up talking about Samson at the end of every show. Anyway, it's always there in the chat mob at the very end of the show. Somehow yep. we end up talking about Samson. So let's just have an actual yeah. game where we play his team. Have yeah. at it. Yeah. So I'd probably say Alabama, I guess, based on the way they're playing right now, but all right. I mean, they're one seats for a reason. There's not like there's an ideal, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, an ideal matchup against one of the teams who has one of the top four, resumes in the country it's not like oh yeah these these this team's terrible we should definitely play them so oh hey we're two and one against potential one seed so that's not uh that's there not you terrible. go there you go Absolutely. all right andy thanks for being here man we appreciate it uh go work on the brackets and stuff and we'll talk to you tomorrow and saturday all right sounds good uh we'll see you guys cool see you man all right, uh, Ryan, let's go to some of these other questions, and right. we'll go to Twitter where we put out a call for the random and ridiculous question uh, of the week, and we got a few that I think are worth answering. And we'll start with Sean HQ, who says, who is the most famous person in Ryan's phone? Oh, man. I'm assuming he means other than Andy Bottoms, because I was going to say year, Andy is the most famous and beloved person in your phone. We know that So somebody who's not on <laughs> this show. Someone who's not a world famous bracketologist. Let me yes. let me scan. Let me scan. Uh, who's yours while I look? Because I'm looking right now. Well, mine is you, obviously, because you're oh, in my phone. It's very nice of you to say. Um, um, let's see. Who's the most famous person? I don't have that many. Fa- to- Tony Adranya. He's pretty famous. He's pretty famous. From IU yeah. Film Room. That's not bad. Um, okay. I've got a couple. Do you want me to just? I mean, because I don't know. Max Bielfeld. He's in my phone. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, Tiki Barber. Tiki Barber? Yeah. Really? Tiki Barber's in there. Uh, Jay Billis, of course. Yeah. Fan we of the knew, show. We knew you were going to name drop Jay Billis. That's okay. Always do. Uh, let me see. Ooh, John Crispin. That's a good one. Uh, let's see. Um... Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I'd say Tiki Barber's probably number one. I've got some radio guys who I, I don't think are that like, you know, not everybody would know. Tiki was an NFL guy. Um, so everybody knows him. Um has his Hall of Fame case come up, by the way? Yes. 
His brother's already in. Tiki didn't make it though, did he? Uh, no, not yet. I don't think so. Well, Wait, he's not going to make it, is he? He was one of those guys where they were like, it took four seasons and examined them. He's probably in, but yeah, he not for his whole career. Uh, like he has four. If you took a four season sample, you'd be like, that guy's definitely going to be in the Hall of Fame. And then if you take his whole career, no. Hold on. Um, I win. Let me think. There's a couple. I win. Oh, 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 Gregory. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Did I just flash that up there? I'm gonna have to edit this I don't, video. I don't think you got the number. Just okay. The name. <laughs> uh, you definitely shouldn't have done that though. I think Greg's gonna be very upset at you. <laughs> That's um, right. I'll go. I'm gonna go in and edit the video. Go to the next this. question. I'll see if I can find because I've got like four thousand numbers. Yeah, sorry guys. He's just got so many numbers in his phone. It's it's really well, the, just hard I, like, to go I'm through. I'm the kind of lives. person who still has everybody from college in his phone still, so I'm having to go through these line by line. Okay. Um, All right. I'm going to go. Yeah, you go might want to go it. back and edit, edit that thing out. I'll go delete. I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it was on the screen. It was a really bad idea. Okay. Uh, it was, but okay. go the next I, question. I trust, I trust our live viewers here to be able to handle that responsibly. Okay. Um, okay. Master Knight says, if you could choose a sponsor to sponsor the back home network, who would it be and why? Uh, home field apparel. I mean, come on. Legitimately. Uh, okay, other uh, than them. Okay. Uh, Knicks. Come on now. What, the bar? Yeah, Knicks. Okay. <laughs> the, where else would I be talking about? Well, uh, I don't know if that qualifies as like a famous person. Who's the most famous oh, person in Ryan's famous person. Oh, I thought I yes. thought it was uh, like sponsor. Um Gosh, Jen, Jen. So how was the assembly call this week? Oh, we spent 20 minutes watching Jared and Ryan play on their phones. Yeah. It's been, yeah. It's been a good show. Okay. Uh, it has, has been a good show. Keep going. Uh, okay. Um, from Scott, I thought this was a really interesting question. Okay. Who will be Indiana's final opponent this season? Mm. I'm going to be real optimistic. Kansas. Really? Yeah. And where where do you think I'm not that game? Saying, I'm so that's not saying. then that's got to be the question, Jared. Well, no, but who Indiana's okay? But how how are you going to get there? So is that are you saying that's probably a Sweet Sixteen game, or do you think it's in the Final Four? Pass. <laughs> I'm not oh, saying where. I'm not saying where because I don't I don't want to make a prediction like that because we haven't even seen what the bracket looks like. But my if I'm going to say it right now, I'll say Kansas. There's something about. That game and the way things might line up, they're going to have to have another shot at Kansas at some point. Mm. That's the way I feel. Our buddy IU Artifact says Houston, which is yeah, that's, that was my kind second. of how I feel. That <laughs> was my how second. I feel guess. like it's going to go. Yeah, that was my second. Don't get me wrong. I think we're good enough to beat Houston. I mean, I, I think this Indiana team can beat anybody on a neutral floor, honestly. My concern is more just the consistency. Can we win enough games in a row? But I think we can beat anybody in a single-game scenario. Um, True. All right. <clears throat> Let's keep going here. From Richard, the Big Ten tournament uh, often is not an indicator of how a team performs in March Madness. Having said True. that, what things are you looking for in individual players and overall team outcomes to serve as a barometer for where this team is physically and mentally? It's an interesting Wait, I'm question. So, I'm sorry. You cut out for one second. For Basically, what are you looking for in these Big Ten tournament games from individual players or the team overall to serve as a barometer for where the team is? I want the role players the to step up. 
and play well. That's the key for me. It's not about Jalen or or Trace because those guys can play really well and Indiana can lose. It's it's about I want to see Miller hit some threes. I want to see Trey Galloway play like Trey Galloway. I'd like to see you know Tamar Bates hit a couple of shots and and look more comfortable as he did at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, those are the keys to me. That's what I'm watching. Even if they don't win the tournament, uh, that's what I want to see is more consistent play out of those guys. Because even Trey, who you think of as consistent, had up and down games. I mean, we we think back to the positive stuff, but he had up and down games. Yeah, but was much more consistent than he's been. Toward, I mean, he, the he, end, yes. yeah, he took a huge step forward. Yeah, I you know I, I think Scoop is really important. Um, I, I thought the agree. minutes he's been, he's the been minutes important he provided. I know, for better or worse. Um, and I thought the minutes he provided against Michigan were huge. And, and uh, you know, I will say this about him, you know, because I think our hypothesis all season long is he's probably a guy who needs more minutes to get in a rhythm, but he's not going to find the minutes on this team until he can produce with the smaller minutes that he gets, right? So it's like this catch-22. And against Michigan, he got the extended time because Trey fouled out. Uh, and so, you know, does that kind of help him give him some confidence coming in? Cause he could change the complexion of things. If he can come in and give you eight to 10 points a game, that is huge for this team. Um, so, you know, I'm not predicting it cause we've just, you know, we've seen a lot of ups and downs from him, but you know, I, I believe in the ability that's there, uh, for him to do it. And so hopefully he's able to, cause that would, that would really be huge for Indiana. Uh, while Ryan continues to look through his phone, uh, let's see. Jared asks us, not me, another Jared from our community. Why does there seem to be chatter that X may enter the transfer portal? Any truth to this? What about the transfer from Harvard that we have reached out to, uh, as well as almost every major program in the country? What are your thoughts on him? Um, so a couple of things on X. I haven't heard anything about him going into the transfer nope. portal. I guess nothing would shock me if he wanted to explore his options. But I think overwhelmingly, it makes more sense for him to come back to Indiana. So I'm not going to worry about that until there's a reason to. Um, as for the guy from Harvard, Ledlam, he's an interesting player. I think we're all really focused right now on you know the games in this season, and it's kind of annoying that they open up the transfer portal now. And I, you know I get it. I mean guys need to be able to put their name in and start getting options. I don't want to think about that stuff right now. I want to think about the games and the tournament. So we're you know we're going to have to. Um, and so we'll talk about it, you know, when we get opportunities like this on assembly call radio, you know, I think the Ledlam guy is interesting. Um, most people, Ryan, have you watched much of him yet? Have you Not looked really into him yet. At all? I was planning to do it after the, after the tournament, basically. I haven't really. Yeah. Taken he's, he's the one guy I have. He's a six, six guy. He's well built. Like he's a thick dude. He's not a great outside shooter. He shot 29%, but he can really drive. He can get to the basket. He can score around the rim. Um, tough guy, good leader. He's a good defensive player. Like he's got a, you know, block percentage and a steal percentage that are both above 2.5. And it's really funny when I, the, when I, when I first watched clips of him, I thought this is race Thompson, but a little bit better off the bounce. Now I didn't, it was all highlights of his offense. So I don't know how good he was defensively, but you see those numbers and that's kind of comparable to what race does. He just has a little bit of a higher block percentage. Um, but that's the kind of guy that he is. He's very race Thompson like, um, and I had, there were three other people that I'm in like a chat with that brought that up independently. Oh, it kind of reminds me of race Thompson a little bit. And I can see why that would be attractive to this coaching staff, given how much they love race Thompson. Um, that's a guy that helps you win games. So I know the concern about the shooting and can he and Malik renew play together and all of this stuff. 
and I, I certainly get that. Um, but also Indiana needs more guys who can pressure the rim um, and get to the basket and create shots that way. And he does provide that skill. So I think yeah. he's interesting is what I'm saying. Um, I'll take a look at him. I, yeah, I haven't yeah. given it the chance just cause we're so focused on this stuff. So, yeah. And I haven't, again, and I haven't dove in enough. I've just looked at his numbers and some offensive highlights, which is not enough to give a full scouting report, but it's enough to say I'm interested. And I think just that profile of being race Thompson, like, well, we're going to need a guy who's race Thompson, like, cause race Thompson's graduating and he's been very valuable uh, for this program. So uh, that part is at least interesting. Uh, from Patrick, given that we are not a bubble team this year, and he said to play the holy music. There we go. Not a bubble team this year, and potential uh, three games in three days. Do you think Coach Woodson tries to get TJD and Jalen closer to 30 minutes than 40, giving Bates, Banks, and Geronimo extra minutes and renew more time to get comfortable? Or do you think Coach Woodson subs like he has done the last few months? What would you do if it was your decision? It doesn't matter. Well, we can talk about what we would do if it was our decision. Mike Woodson is there to win a tournament. He's yep. made that very clear, he and I think he is going to coach. I think he's going to coach every one of these games, like he's coached the rest of them. I don't think he's worried about saving guys for the tournament, because I just think in his mind he thinks these guys should be able to play these minutes. Yep. And it, there is a certain irony there in that you know his team in 1980 did seem to kind of run out of gas, and he ran out of gas after coming back from his injury. Um, not that Jalen or Trace, you know, not that their injuries were that serious at all. Um, but that part of it is interesting anyway, but I think he made it very clear today in his media availability that he's there to win a tournament. Um, you know, and I think, you know, as much as we, Scott and I talked about this on Crimson cast, you know, the big 10 tournament has become a punchline for Indiana fans, uh, for good reasons and not so good reasons, you know, but at the end of the day, like the, the really good teams in this conference, they've all won one of these, (laughs) you know? They've all like done at some point you need to actually do something in it if they're yeah. going to keep playing it. And it's another one of those monkeys on our back. And, and, and Mike kind of addressed this a little bit. And, you know, during his, you know, almost two years now at Indiana, that's kind of what he's done is just toss the monkeys off the back and a lot of losing streaks and a lot of narratives that we were all annoyed by. And so this is kind of the next one um, that they can take a step forward from what they did last year to do. So, I I think he's going to coach to win every game like he's done all season long. I just don't think he knows another way. Yeah. I guess yeah, the question would be, is that what you would do? Nope. I would, uh, I'm not saying I would not <laughs> put them on the floor, uh, but they're not playing 38 to 40 minutes a game because this isn't the tournament that matters. Uh, it'd be nice to win it. It'd be nice. But if you're down 15 with five minutes left, take them the hell out of the game. Uh, you know, and, and Mike hasn't done that this year. That has not been his MO and that's fine. That's, that's the way he coaches. It's his team. He's allowed to do that. Uh, also, I would find spots in the first half to get, you know, if you've got a 10 point lead, rest TJD three more minutes than you would, you know, and then have him for the, for the stretch run more. Okay. If you guys have noticed over the last, over the four years of his career at the end of games, Trace Jackson Davis has real trouble making free throws. The reason why he's playing a lot of friggin' minutes and being tired at the free throw line is not a great recipe. Race Thompson has shot in the 70%, it was he about 75% free throw shooter this year, like 74 and a half or something. Dude, he's been like in the high 80s since he returned from his injuries. And he went one for six in the game the other night, missing a lot, missing four late. That wasn't because he's not a good free throw shooter. It's because he was exhausted. He hadn't played that many minutes since he'd come back. That's a factor. 
late in games and it's going to be yeah. a factor late in tournament games. And so you've got to save as much of their legs as possible. And, and that's been a bugaboo for trace throughout his career. The shot flattens out late at games because he's great on the interior, but when you stand at that free throw line, you have to think and you're tired. It's a lot easier to miss shots. So that, I mean, that's why teams foul late and they try and foul guys who played a lot, either played a lot of minutes or haven't played are the two guys you try and foul guys who aren't warm and guys who played a lot of minutes. Those are the guys yeah. you angle after when you're trying to foul late. And um, so, yeah, I, I would say try and sneak in some spots to get them some rest. It's harder with Jalen because he's your primary ball handler. And while try as he might, Trey Galloway just isn't as good at running the offense as, as Jalen is. Yeah. So it's harder to do that, honestly. But you've got Malik Renew. You can run him for a little bit. You can, you can cover with keeping race out there and then swap it out, rotate the three of them kind of in You can way. play race at the five. You can. You absolutely can. I mean, we thought race, if Trace left. Especially race, against Maryland or Minnesota. You yeah. could definitely play race at the five. So, that yeah, that's that's where I'm at with it. I would try and steal minutes wherever I can. Um, again, this tournament, it'd be nice to win it. Doesn't really matter. Indiana's pretty much locked in as a four seed, I think, as, as Andy said. And you'd like to win it. You think you have a chance to win it. You think you have a chance to make a run but I would not throw all of my eggs in this basket. Yeah. Uh, by the way, back to the previous question about Ledlam from Harvard. I saw Evan in the chat said, I was hoping more Dante Scott than race Thompson. Dante Scott is probably a better comparison, at least based on what I've seen, because like I said, he's, he's this Ledlam guy is kind of like race Thompson, but with the ability to drive race Thompson, isn't really driving people. He's more backing people down but you very yeah. rarely see Race Thompson take people off the dribble off the and score. Um, and this guy can actually looking at his numbers, you know, Dante Scott shoots 29% from three, 51% from two. He's a good free throw shooter, you know, disruptive defender with good block and steal percentages. He's actually probably a better comp um, than Race Thompson. So that was a good one, Evan. Um, and, you know, we'll see. Apparently the Indiana coaches have a lot of interest. Um, and And look, you know, I think this is where – a guy like Jordan Hulls really is going to be put to work uh, because Ryan, what's happening right now is Indiana's playing in the big 10 tournament. And then the NCAA tournament, the assistant coaches have to be extremely focused on scouting. You know, they've had to have scouting reports for Nebraska, Minnesota, and Maryland, which means each assistant coach took one of those. And obviously the head coach is completely focused on the next game, but what's happening. Meanwhile, guys are going into the transfer portal and this is a huge offseason for Indiana when it comes to the transfer portal. So your recruiting coordinator and some of those support staff members have to be on top of this because you can't just punt transfer conversations until you're out of the NCAA tournament yeah, or you might miss on some on good you. guys. So this is a really, really important um, you know, kind of stretch of season you know, for some of those support staff members you know, to be able to basically you – know, you got to be prepared. You got to know who's likely to come out, who you like if they do come out. And then basically, if you're going to put this in front of the head coach because he needs to look at a guy or a guy needs to take a visit, you better be real sure that the guy is worth it. I'll so. say this. Coaches know who's going to be in the transfer portal. I mean, they have a, they have a, yes. they have a good idea. Of but part of that is the support staff members doing the homework. Because Woody's not no, 100%, paying attention. 100%, 100%. Woody's but, not paying but, attention I mean, to who's going to be in there. But most of these coaches, and I'm talking about the staff, not the head coaches. The, yeah. the coaches know by about mid-January who's going to be there. Now there are well, the assistants decisions. may have previous relationships with some of these guys too. That's where I'm getting at. And yeah. 
the people surrounding those players start to put feelers out midseason. I mean, yeah. they, they, you know, because it, nobody very rarely does somebody just shockingly enter the transfer portal. There's always reasons for it. And what they do ahead of time usually is put feelers out there and schools, again, off the record behind the scenes come out and like, yeah, we'd be interested in them. They know schools are going to be interested if you're jumping to the transfer portal, unless you're at a very low level school. But for yeah. the most part, these major conference transfers all know this. These are your options. You can either stay or you can probably go to one of these. Now, sometimes a team pops up randomly out of nowhere is interest in this guy or sometimes players who were not planning on transferring all of a sudden transfer. But the, a lot of these are telegraphed months in advance. And we have been told last summer that this transfer group was going to be loaded because guys were going to give it one more shot at some of these schools and then enter yep. the transfer portal. So, um, and they know there's a lot of opportunity because this past recruiting class or this year's recruiting class is not the best. And, you know, has yep. had less development time. And so transfers may be far more popular. And a lot of and, incomplete evaluations, which means yes. mismatches between school and player. Yes. So, yeah, it's going to be active. All right, let's hit a few of these final ones here. Oh, by the fire. way, uh, uh, number one on the phone, think Drew Brees is number one on the phone, in my phone. Drew Brees. Yeah, I would say that is probably number I one. I guess he goes higher than Tiki Barber. Yeah, I would say so. Um, but he's a Purdue guy, so that kind of drops him. It's true. does drop the value down a little bit. Uh, I've got Jim Rome, too, for all you West Coasters out there. That's, Phenomenal. That's big, that's big out here. Phenomenal. <laughs> Allegedly. Mike Woodson was just on with Jim Rome. I didn't listen was to Was he? It. I didn't hear it. I yeah. Hear it. I, did, I, don't think he, I don't think he shattered any new ground or said anything uh, crazy. Trent says Ryan's just flexing on us now. Yeah, That's not a flex. He's a Purdue guy. I mean, it's... And to be fair, Ryan was asked the question. So yeah, I'm not just throwing that out there. <laughs> there are some others I will leave off the table because I'm not sure how well liked they'd be around here. Uh-oh. <clears throat> uh from Matthew, will our NCAA tournament be a boom, second weekend, or a bust, first round loss? So I have a really hard time. This team has not shown us that they will lose to a uh, uh the kind of team that's going to be in the 13 seat. Now it doesn't mean they can't but they haven't shown us they'll do that. They've shown us that they can lose to really good teams. So I think Indiana is going to win their first round matchup. I think the four or five matchup is going to be very interesting. Um, I have a hard time based on what we've seen from this team, thinking that we're going to beat two really good teams in a row. So I think the most likely scenario is Indiana wins their first round matchup against the 13 seed. They beat the five seed and then they lose their next game, probably to a one seed in the Sweet 16. I think that's the most likely outcome for this team. I think they certainly have it in them to make a deeper run if they can find some level of consistency and get good matchups. And they're obviously capable of losing to a five-seed level team. Um, but I think just based on the evidence of what they've shown us throughout the year, I think they'll make the Sweet 16. I will say this. I think Indiana is going to benefit from the officiating in the NCAA tournament, given the way they play. Um compared to what they get in the Big Ten. Yeah. And I will say, if they don't make the second weekend, I think it's a disappointment. With the roster they have, the players they have. It would be a disappointment. Having, it would be a, a pretty big disappointment. No, not a disaster, as you guys love to. Depends on how you lose. I mean, if they if it's one of it those 20-point, just blowout losses, it's like, come on, guys. Yeah, they got to get lose to the Sweet 16, man. You got to move. You got you to gotta keep advancing the program. And, and you can't do it one round at a time. You got to get back to the Sweet 16. Tom Green got the Sweet 16 twice. Mike Woodson's got it. With an All-American and a lottery pick 
and some decent role players and a lot of veterans, you got to get to the second weekend. I mean, we said beginning of the season, we can't soften on this. We said beginning of the season, top four in the Big Ten and the sweet, and at least the Sweet 16. Yeah. I don't care if you're without X. You've been without X a while. This team is now without X. You know, I mean, this is this team has had. A okay, but you can't just say that that doesn't matter. I mean, you don't have it your doesn't point matter. Guard. No, it that matters. matters. But you know what? It's not like you just lost him and you have to recalibrate. You haven't had. No, but you're still long. not as good. The gaping hole sure. and the reason. But here's guess the thing. What? They should with X. They should have been aiming higher than the Sweet 16. Quite frankly, uh, I agree with that. But what I'm saying so, is the, the biggest reason why they would probably lose in the second round is lack of backcourt depth which is exactly the thing that not having x hurts you so well here's the thing you're giving them you're letting them off the hook a little bit by doing that because you know what in x's absence they should have been able to develop some of the guys they have on the roster cj gunn tamar bates and gotten them into a role where they can play and contribute not make up for x but make up some of that and they haven't okay well here's the thing i'm not i'm not letting them off the hook i think they're going to make the sweet 16 that's my expectation i do think it would be a disappointment I think the problem is it's really hard to put so much on one tournament appearance, right? I mean, we don't know who the five seed is going to be. We don't know how that game is going to go. It could be a tough, hard-fought game, and you just happen to lose it, and it's like, damn. You know, but that's it's a 4-5 game. It's a tough one. What this program needs to do is start making the NCAA tournament year after year after year so you have more opportunities to make a run. So it doesn't feel like there's so much pressure on this year. We have to get, you know, we have to do this specific thing. Like, I agree. It'll be disappointing if we don't make the Sweet 16. It'll feel like there was potential unfulfilled. But I think we kind of need to see how it plays out before we judge it too harshly beforehand. It's the NCAA tournament, you know? We know On the surface, on the surface, I would say if you don't make the Sweet 16, it's a disappointment. If you're seated in the top 16 and you don't make the Sweet 16, it's a disappointment. I agree agree that it's a disappointment. It could be this, it could be this, whatever. But in general... The goals of this that we set out for this team, top four in the Big Ten, at least the Sweet 16. We even said maybe the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. But at some point, India's got to make a second week in a tournament. I mean, for a while, it was they got to make the tournament. But now you've got a great team. And by the way, if you're looking at the way this lines up for next year, it's hard to see them making the Sweet 16 next year. you got to do it now. So, you know, it's a, no, just, I, I agree with the problem. sense of urgency. I agree with the sense of urgency. Yes. You know, I, I agree with all of that. I will be disappointed if they don't make it to me again. That's what this team has shown us. They're a sweet 16 level team. It's hard to, it's hard for me to see beyond that because they'd have to show a level of consistency that they haven't shown, but what they've shown us is the role players. They'll take care of business against a lower team. And they can beat a good team, but they haven't in a while. They haven't beaten two good teams in a row. You know, even that win streak of five, you know, they were playing Wisconsin at home, who's not very good. And, you know, I think Minnesota was in there. So we'll see. Um, but I, I do agree. I the, the If we're going to go with the word disappointing, if they don't make the Sweet 16, I would agree with that. I think that would be a disappointment. It wouldn't be a failure. I don't think it would mean that this – season wasn't a step forward because the context matters, but it would be a disappointment. Yes. I agree. Um, this is a fun question from Carrie. I have a question concerning shot mechanics with the three ball. Well, Hey, we have a shot doctor here. It may just be me, but when I watch our guys shoot, it looks awkward, forced and mechanical. When I watch other team shooters, it looks so much more fluid, smooth, and rhythmical. Ours looks like no chance. And theirs looks like money. Can this motion be improved upon? Or are we just at the mercy of lady luck? No, it can be improved upon with, with coaching. Um, 
you see Trey Galloway's motion is completely changed from last year to this year. I mean, it's not, I, you know, it's not a hundred percent a change. It's, it's a shift. And that's why he's making them this year. It's still not, it still doesn't look natural or smooth. I would say that Miller cop. I think he's got a good motion. I think his body rotates a lot more than I would uh, have a shooter do that, but it's just a bit of a long setup. It is. um, I don't, with him being six, seven, I understand how he was able to get away with a long setup from like, that's the thing people don't realize Miller Miller's a big dude. Um, mm-hmm. And so he's been able to get away with it. I think for a long time, um, but more athletic guys closing out, he tends to pump fake and try and reset. Uh, but his motion, you know, up until the release is fine, but he does over rotate his body a lot. You'll see he's kind of angled with his shoulder facing the hoop. Some guys do that. Some guys don't. Um, you know, scoop is his feet are kind of a mess when he shoots, but he's got a great release and rotation. It looks very natural and smooth. His feet are not how I would set up, but it's been working for him. And when something's working, you don't change it. Like you don't tell a guy to change it. Uh, and this year it's, it's worked for him. So it, the motions all have their own little bugaboos. Uh, there is not a, other than Miller, there is not a pure shooter on this team that has the perfect mechanics you know, perfect release, perfect rotation, uh, all of that. And, and, you know, a great setup with his legs and, and upper half uh, combined together. Uh, so I, I would agree in principle with, with what you're saying, but I don't think it really, I would say Jalen, Jalen shot on the pull-up from inside looks smooth and perfect. Um, his three-point shot still looks a little, Forced. And the funny thing is about that is because Jalen off the dribble on three, I think looks better than he does catch and shoot. And the, the funny you think thing part of that is because his shot is a little flat. And so when he's yes. off the dribble, he elevates a little more. Absolutely. And, so. and, and again, that's going to be a thing that he looks way better than he did in high school uh, yeah. from deep. You can see it in high school. He loved to pull up. And we talked about that. It's, it's impressive that he's able to do that. Um, and but I would say that, yeah, I think that, that his shot's a little flat from deep. And so when he comes off the pull-up, he looks a lot smoother than, than when he's uh catch and shoot. I still, I like CJ's shot. I think it's, I mean, he gets good elevation yeah, he's overshooting on it. it. He's yeah. Overshooting it. Yeah. It's he's, almost he's, like he's rushing. He's rushing. Yeah. He's just been Every too time. juiced up when he's gotten in there, but I Has think his one this season, I think he's two for 24, two, two for 25, okay. something like that. But yeah, I, I no, still think that he projects to be, be a good shooter. Yeah, just I, I, yeah. His is not. It's not mechanical with him. It's mental. And it's and now. It's if it doesn't take a big jump next year, I'll start to get a little bit worried. Yes, Although I we just saw Trey Galloway make a big jump after his second season, but I think you like yeah. to see that really come around in a guy's. Well, second with year. CJ, the difference between CJ and Trey is Trey can finish around the rim and get stuff off the dribble, and his energy gets you stuff offensively with the ball. Uh, CJ doesn't project as that type of player. So the shooting is that much more important. Although we did say if Trey Galloway made 30% of his threes, it was a huge change for Indiana, a huge, you know, game changer for Indiana. And that's been the case this year. Yep. Last question. How far will a big 10 team go in the men's NCAA tournament? Who do you think it will be? So I guess who, which big 10 team will go the farthest, I think is the question. I will say I like the way. Michigan State plays in it for a tournament setting. Yeah. I really do like the way they play for a tournament setting, and they've got guards who can go off. They've got Sissoko, who I think hasn't peaked at all this year. Yeah. Um, so I like the way they line up. Um, 
I don't think not, they don't have a great seed, so you know, they're no, gonna have to, it's going to no, be a tough so be battle fighting. for them. But they're going to be a, a team that like a two seed doesn't want to face. No, I, I think just get beat up. Might, no, you do not want to face them. Um, I don't think it's Purdue at all. No. I think I, I think people have figured out if you shut down their freshman guards, they really struggle, and Edie's going to get his, and that's it. Um, oh, it's not Northwestern. I no. think in, in the tournament, especially the first two rounds, it's real tough for guards to shoot as well as they need to to make out of it, to get out of it, because it's not a comfortable situation. Um, sure as hell don't trust Iowa in the tournament. No. Uh, their offense, their lack of defense is is a killer. No, I think, yeah, it, I I would, think it's Michigan State or Indiana, I would put honestly. Michigan State, and I, I'm considering other than Indiana, because I think Indiana can make a run. They've got two, two alpha yep. dogs and role players that should be able to fill it. I mean, if I had to line them all up against each other, I would say Indiana has the best chance. But other than that, I'd say Michigan State. I love the way that they're constructed for a tournament setting. I don't think they're a regular season team. I think they're a tournament team. Yep. All right. Any final thoughts, Ryan? Before we pack up here, let's get a win tomorrow. Come on. We need to come on. I know. Like I, we don't need to go win the big 10 tournament, but I do think we need to win tomorrow. You know, it's confidence. It kind of keeps the momentum from the regular season. If you win tomorrow and then you lose Saturday, fine, whatever. Now let's go focus on the NCAA tournament. I do think winning tomorrow is really important. I'll say this. Would you rather go out in the semifinals or the final? Like if from you're a telling, sanity, if, from if a you're, sanity perspective. <laughs> I mean, I always want to win games. Yeah. I think there's value in winning Me games. Too. Like I you get know? the I get the lack of disappointment if you go out in the semifinals, you're like, well, it's Indiana in the Big Ten tournament. It gives it, it Oh, gives I don't it. care about the disappointment thing. I was only thinking about the extra wear Rest. and tear before the NCAA tournament. That's the only reason I would even think about it. But I think it's still I mean, even making a Big Ten tournament championship game is a step forward for this program. I agree. You know, did, who did we who's I don't even remember who did we lose to last year? Oh, come on, man. I remember the wins. Seriously. I don't the jackass from Iowa banking. Oh, in the my three pointer. God, that's right. Why did I thought I, I thought that was the year before. Oh, man. I mean, he did it the year before, too, but it yeah. was just in a regular season game. No, you're right. No, I totally <laughs> I thought I was I was putting that the year before. Total 100 percent. Totally. <laughs> I forgot that. Oh, my God. God. I'm really sad. Sorry I brought that up, everybody. I I am so tired of Iowa. I'm really tired of Iowa. I mean, the state, not just the basketball team, just just the state Everything, everything. I'm really tired of Iowa. You got Kathy, Amos, and Sean up there in Iowa. They're great. Kathy hates Everything else in Iowa, I think I could do without. I really do. I think I could do without it. I I spent a decent chunk of time there. Dated a girl who lived in Iowa. Oh, I got a a lot of my dad's family is in Iowa, too. Not a whole lot redeemable about that state for me. Um, (laughs) David says, I dislike Iowa more than Purdue. Wouldn't quite go that far. I wouldn't go that far. But Iowa, you know, it's funny. Like, Big Ten teams, they kind of pop up, you know, as being kind of more annoying or bigger rivals. I do feel like Iowa is kind of at their peak in terms of Indiana fans hating them right now. (sighs) Yeah, I would agree. Screw Iowa. All done with Iowa. Done with Iowa. All right, and we're also done with this episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. We'd like to thank Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. 
and as always, thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow night after Indiana plays either Maryland or Minnesota for the postgame show. Until then. Take it from me, Jennifer Crabtree. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers! That is our audience member, Jen Crabtree. Longtime listener. Uh, we were emailing back and forth, and I said, you know what? Would you record the elbows in uh, outro? So I think we're going to start having some audience members record it, and we'll rotate those in too. So Jen was the first. We appreciate that, Jen. And I thought no she swearing. did an awesome job. No what? No swearing. No swearing, guys, when they, you get asked to do it. Keep your effing elbows in and your, you know. I mean, if you want to. <laughs> I'm not allowed to swear. You can't swear. <laughs> Maryland's up up 11 right now, or nine, nine. Wow, they'll probably win. Minnesota already has three guys with four fouls. How much time is left? 14 minutes left in the second half. Yeah, Maryland's going to win. That's all right. Bring on Maryland. I I like I like the matchup against Maryland when we're not in their place. Yeah. So let's go. Uh, I know I'm going to be here. Coach Marlowe will be be here, and we're hoping Ryan is here. Yes, but he might be in traffic. I might be. It happens. All right, everybody. It does in Southern California. (laughs) It does. It does. All right, everybody. We will see you all tomorrow. Later, guys. Take care.